Hello. Welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, Tom Jacobs. How are we doing? Good. Yeah, I've uh, recovered from what was basically an emotionless uh, betting week uh, in Singapore. Um, second, like it was, it didn't get started very quickly, did it? It was stop start. And then um, it was one of weird times. Like I thought it was going to be one of those ones that like I woke up and it was still going on. And actually it was like I woke up and it was over. Um, so it was pretty, pretty hard to follow. And then like Ategi and Levy were there and then they weren't. And all of a sudden it just became meaningless to me. Um, but hopefully that changes this week. I think, I think we've got a golf course that isn't going to be so, I think there was like a, a few like tripping up holes on purpose last week that didn't really need to be like it was. And I think this week we'll see a bit more of a free flowing event. Um, and one to probably enjoy a bit more. Yeah, I was uh, disappointed in the teeth of the course, right? We said it's the beast of Asia, the hardest course that was uh, out there. And, right, what, what did Aki get to? He's minus nine on, on the last day. Yeah. You know, thought, thought even par would be a good score. And, um, unfortunately, the guys got way lower than that. Lagergren had gotten the mix after day one. But, yeah, I was excited for, I was rooting for uh, uh, Ding, the amateur, when yes. Ding. Well, because you, you, you'd, you'd spoken about him, right? Like you'd said that he was one of the ones that you were considering didn't go there. Um, yeah, and, he was. Well, that wasn't even, there was like three or four of them. He had been yeah. in an event before. And he, he, I mean, that's two out of the four, last four events that yeah. we've seen an amateur at the halfway leader, right? That's pretty cool. And I'm pretty sure if he, so this course moving up the sort of segue into this event, uh, this course was used for the Asian Pacific Amateur. And I'm pretty sure he played well here. Um the last time he was here in 2022. Yeah, I thought um, I was hoping he'd be back in the field because he definitely played decent. Uh, yeah. Rachanan, uh, whoa, that's came out really fast. Um, but he, you know, he was on TK, was on our card last week um, and did not play very well. Uh, but he was second or third, I think, at the halfway point um, at the Asia Pacific Am Games. Um, so that's basically of international. <laughs> uh amateur events probably the top one um well does that that gets you into the masters right yes yes um so harrison crow won this past year i mean yeah. i guess i would say it's a top five amateur event that exists out there uh, so yeah you only get the best of the best and i thought it was kind of interesting too when we i guess transfer into the course uh, this week so uh amata springs it was played in 2012 uh at the asia pacific amateur two C.T. Pan was up there. Cameron Smith um, was up there. Uh, some names. What The last time we'd seen this course, it was played at the Thailand Classic, right, where Jamie Donaldson uh, was the winner um, there. I think Baba used to tee it up in this event. They used to pull in some, some bigger names. But it doesn't, to your point, it seems like a classical course that we're probably going to get, you know, lower scores at. doesn't seem to anything too uh, overbearing from a statistical standpoint. Um, anything that you're kind of targeting exactly? No, so 2011 through to 2015, to your point, was the Thailand Golf Championship, and it was Lee Westwood, Charles Schwartz, or Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Jamie Donaldson, um, Lee Westwood, two wins and a runner-up finish in that time. And you just look, and it was one of those classic ones that these guys, this is where people used to go to get paid, right? Like back in yeah. the day, they used to go and take these, these things, and uh, Lee Westwood, won by seven strokes in the first time. Charles Schwartz won by 11 strokes the second time from uh, a Thailand uh, player whose name I can't pronounce, and Bubba Watson. Um, but it was weird. So they went 22 under, 25 under, 22 under, 
eight under, 21 under. So there was one year in 2014 where there must have been like horrendous weather. I don't really remember it. Um, but Westwood beat Marcus Frazier and Martin Keimer by one. If you look at that, Jason, uh, on the Lost Words podcast, has kind of said it's a little bit linksy. Um, you've got Donaldson, Westwood, Garcia, Schwartzel, and Westwood again as the winners. Stenson as a runner-up. He's obviously won an Open Championship. Um, I don't know if it's that or just they were the top quality players in the field. But I would just say from, you know, speaking to Brad, he was saying that it's fairly generous fairways. There's a few water hazards here and there, but ultimately they're going to rely on wind and weather to any sort of defence this week. Yeah, I think we've seen ourselves, and I'm going to try my best, like just falling into distance matters. And not that I think the off the tee players who can excel every week are the players are going to put yourself, you know, like yeah. the best players in the world are the best off the tee players. Like I'm not going to try to pigeonhole as much, maybe certain statistics I might highlight when guys fall into that on some recent form or what I'm kind of looking for. But the way these fields are, you know, right. Um, I don't want to say it still is odd for me, even with the names that are our leaders, right, at the top of odds boards to really wrap your head around and say, like, strong field or this is like, you know, when you're getting Jordan Smith and Bob and and Adrian and, and Rosner and even Mansell, you know, up here in shorter numbers, like, I, I just still think things end up being so high variance when these are the guys that are the top players and like you know you're seeing that every week on the corn fairy tour you're seeing that every week on the challenge tour when potentially these skill gaps or talent levels you know are are where they are it just opens things up even more and i'm going to make these guys still prove it to me before i I begin betting kind of that short week in and week out now i know you like one of the guys up there that's keeping up with the form and you can continue to take those risks because i i just Long story short, I, I'm not that scared every week when I go to look at the top of the board like you would have been in Phoenix and that no. proved it to be last week. And, and like the, the main difference is that when we talk about Rory and Ram coming over to DP World Tour, we talk about Fleetwood and Hassan, Lowry, etc. on there, you know, although it's not really panned out this year, they're 10 to 1, 12 to 1, 14 to 1 favourites um, against one another, whereas these are 20 to 1 and bigger, right? And it, all of a sudden, it's not a favourite. They're just they are the best talent wise, but even the sports books are basically saying we don't necessarily, we're not scared of you winning type thing. Like if, if Nikolai Hoygaard was what people think Nikolai Hoygaard is, then he should be like a 10 to one favorite, but he's, he's 20 to one because he's volatile. Right. And then that's just what you're getting uh, in these events. So yeah, to your point, not scared of anybody with that said, I have taken one from the top probably won't be a surprise to people uh, who have been listening recently, but I'm going with Thorpe and Ollison again. Um, I just don't want to get away from him. And it's not a case of um, following off a cliff and just worrying that you're going to miss the win. Like I, I don't, I can jump off any time. I still just think he's being overlooked a little bit. Like he's 18 to one to make the European Ryder Cup team. Uh, he's 22 to one to win this week. I just thought, He's probably, is he not as good as Jordan Smith, Robert McIntyre and Nikolai Hoygaard? Like, he's got six wins. We talk, You just mentioned I still want people to prove it. He's proven it. He's finished sixth in the Masters on his debut. He's got two top nine finishes in an Open Championship. Uh, he's contended in a WGC, I think. You know, he's got all these high-quality wins. 45th, 30th, 20th, 16th and 4th is Thorbjörn Olsen's current run of form. 
it's just going to happen. I think he's just going to win. Like every week, there's been a missing component, and eventually, I think now he's come, he wasn't in the field last week. He comes to the weaker field here. I just think he wins. So at twenty-two to one uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook, I think Theoganos and this way to go. Yeah, I think it's um, somebody you've. I, I saw a tweet today from uh, Tim Frank that was kind of interesting. Uh, it was uh, about Wyndham Clark's odds, for example. Um, it said like, like because Bear Off, our friend, tweeted that. Well, they got Wyndham at unbettable numbers now, right? <laughs> and Tim was like, winning people. What I've seen in my years of, of betting golf is winning people stay on, like when they, the number keeps getting shorter because they have the belief in them, basically. And this is when we hop off and they still keep playing well, right? You can't yeah. just always be scared of the shorter no. number if you have that belief. And I think, I think like, I mean, look, what was probably the first number I took in Olison this year? Like 70, maybe. But that was when yeah. it was in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and things like that. Yeah. It's, got, it's yeah. gone down to 20, right? But that's relative to the field. Really, his price hasn't reacted that differently to his form. And I think that you can't discount 2020 and 2021 for covid years completely but you've you've had that he's had the off the course off the course issues as well now he's just playing like he was before i think hollison at his best is probably definitely the most accomplished player in this field um so if you're viewing him that way uh same most other than the veterans that are obviously in the field but like of the top quality players currently he's the most accomplished and the most likely to win i think yep yep 100 percent. I, I like it um and i had a struggle here with kind of my first selection i think i could have honestly every single golfer that is 35 to 1 i think you can make an argument for this week yeah 100%. i wanted like I, I was very interested in going back to Valamaki after, you know, it, it just feels it's inevitable at this point. He's going to get over the line. One of these Sundays, he's played well multiple times, just got beaten out. Um, so I think he was there. I, I thought I would be going into Ash and Wu, you know, people make good arguments for, for Affy Barnrat, uh, you know, and I think um, as you keep going down here, who's the next one? Takumi Kanaya just won a big event, a pretty decent event on the Asian tour, right? All of these guys here at 35 to 1. But I, I'm not one often, like I said, still to, to be piling up on uh, the lower odds right now. I'm going to land on, on Marcus Helikilda. Man, I felt good to nail his name, Tom. <laughs> that was you know? Uh, so so Helikilda, he's just somebody who, you know, he, he was the challenge tour player of the year. Um, you know, we, we talk about he had three wins on that, and he came into some pretty decent upside success, I would say, in his first year, right? I think it was five top 15s or six top 17s, if you include uh, last week, including back to back top 13 finishes on the PGA Tour when he popped over there, uh, which was very impressive. And he's kind of just shown these these mini flashes over the last few weeks i mean 17th was with closing rounds of of last week uh, 66 68 69 so he starts in 97th after the first round he was one of the better 54 hole finishes only had two bogeys in his final three rounds um very high in greens and regulation 13th the week before 66 66 and two of those rounds had a 75 in round three to blow it up you know i just i i like being able to, to cherry pick at least some rounds here that pop for guys and knowing his upside is kind of sky high. And again, I don't want to take a specific angle, but if I, I do think he's one of the better drivers of the golf ball when he's hitting it well. Um, so I'm excited to kind of go into that with 35s for him. 
Yeah, look, he was seventh in ball striking last week. So the strokes gain data, I'm not entirely sure was right last week. But if you look you at mean just... You don't believe that Anthony Quayle gained 22 strokes gained approach in four rounds? <laughs> so I was I was very questionable when I saw that. Um, and then I looked at his finish and thought, no, that's definitely But th- does right. it mean that if he messed up, does it mean the other guys could be wrong? The other guys could no, exactly. be spot on. But... Yeah, like it, it, it's just tough, but... The, the quantifiable ones are he was 20th in driving distance, he was 37th in driving accuracy, and he was third in greens regulation. Like, they, the, the greens regulation can't be wrong. They've either hit the green or they haven't, right? So, Heller Kilder, I think, in that respect, and I think he's the thing I'd like about Heller Kilder, because I think there's a couple of people on him. Like, when you look, and he was 34th in Abu Dhabi, he was 51st in Dubai Desert Classic, you would say, okay, he's not quite ready to contend in those bigger events and those stronger fields just now. Let's see what he does in the next two weeks and he finishes 13th and 17th. Like That's a huge improvement and yeah. what you'd expect him to do. So that kind of suggests to me that when the field level is right, the core setup is probably better this week than it was last week. I think we're looking at kind of a top 10 finish pedicure and then it's a case of um, does he you know, does he have the winning upside? And we don't know yet because he hasn't done it on the DP World Tour, but there's no reason to suspect that you won't. Yep. Yep. 100%. Um, so I think we skip down to you now uh, for the next election. Yeah. So Shabanka Sharma, I got very excited about him this morning. Uh, yeah. It was, was basically my favorite bet. So I want, mainly because I wanted to bet him last week and he wasn't in the field. Uh, so he's come here. He's second in Ned Bank behind Tommy Fleetwood, seventh at the Abu Dhabi Championship, 12th at the Saudi International. Now, that's two of the better DP World Tour fields of recent uh, months. That Saudi International field was, what, basically a PGA Tour event? Um, yep. He's got a win in the ninth in Malaysia, so that's close enough, right? His Thailand form isn't great itself, but I just think that the way he's playing in the stronger fields and what we know of Shabun Kashama in terms of upside, we know he can play well in WGCs, etc. He's not. I don't feel quite as strongly about him as I did about someone like Olison, who I think is well overlooked, who is way better than he's being given credit for. But I think he has got a lot of upside at the, I mean, what number can you get over there? The best number is 66-1. So um, Shabun Kashama, 60-1 on drafting sports, but absolutely fine, I think. And um, he's bound at the Hero Indian Open probably to see some lower odds too, where you would expect um, success there that has happened in the past. Uh, I actually didn't realize uh, that event was already next week. I had brought it up last week. Also, I think I might be one of the first people to ever bet a golfer who, instead of teeing it up on Thursday, got surgery the first day. <laughs> yeah. He had surgery that, on, on that, Thursday last that week. That blew my mind. He literally put, like, because I saw that you, you'd said that he'd withdrawn. And then I saw on Instagram, and he was like, oh, I finally got the answer I needed. I was like, how did you go from you were in the field right until Wednesday night to I'm having surgery today? Like, that blows my mind. Like, how have you not found that answer within the last month or so? Were you waiting for a call? What do you think it is? So I guess he's had this wrist surgery now. Uh, and, and best of luck to him. Like, I, I really like yes. him. I just think there's been a lot of, like, divergences in his life and career. And I think he just needs to get back to basics and just be – the Andrew Johnston that came on the scene. And I think that'd be great for his golf career. If he wants to have a all encompassing career, like he's got his own podcast and things like that. Great. Like I think you need stuff off the course, but I think the off the course creeps in. Like how has he not had this surgery already? Like what, what's been going on? He's just had a, an off season. What are you doing? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I find it quite hilarious that 
uh, hit the nail on the head there. But um, so I end up leaning in the same odds and ranges he was last week for uh, two selections here for me. One I'll start with. He was uh, we're recording a little bit later on Monday. Uh, he was triple digits when it first came out. Uh, one of our friends, Ben, has uh, Coley has tipped him up. And it's been weird, man. It has been odd that Dan Bradbury still sits in this range. I guess we didn't really fully hit on Aki's win, Stridham's win yesterday, right? Like Stridham came from almost nowhere, right? A career of habitual runner-ups, not being able to close on Sunday, really nothing to two wins already in the DP World Tour season. Um, And what, I mean, what odds did Aki go off of last week? You know, triple digits easily, right? Yeah, he was 100 to 1 to going into Sunday. Um, and so Bradbury ends up in this no man's land of odds, right? Like he he won when you don't know anything about him, and he has yet to miss a cut. Literally does not, he hasn't missed a cut, which is impressive. Most people, like when they get these wins, right? They're like, I'm really very concerned about Takumi yeah. Kanaya this week. Like it's a huge win. How are you going to react the next week? And like, Bradbury has just delivered it and not to say it has been like all that successful, you know, I think his best finish was 28th post that, but we've seen what that 28th was second with Rory McIlroy going into the, the final round of a Rolex tournament, thing. Right? If he's not in the tournament with Rory McIlroy, he's not paired with him. I know you can't, you can't say like if Rory McIlroy wasn't there, he'd have won. But things are a lot different if, if you're not paired with Rory McIlroy, who's laser focused, the best player in a field by a, a wild stretch, best player in the world at the time. Um, and he's got Patrick Reed gunning after him, which is another whole different story. And you're just kind of stuck in the middle of this. You're watching Reed do what he's doing ahead. You know, Roy McElroy's pushing it. It's very easy to get caught up. And the fact that he's got that inexperience of only, you know, really being on the, on the tour this year, winning his first event is wild. But yeah, like you say, I mean, yes, okay, he's only finished 42nd and 34th the last two weeks. But even in, Raz, when he was 42nd, he was 23rd going into the final round, fell away. Last week, he started slowly, but like you said about Heather Gilder, then 68, 68, 70. He feels a little bit like it's not quite as dramatic because I think people like him to bet at the moment. But like Ewan Ferguson never has never really moved price after winning twice and should have won three times last year. Um, and it feels a little bit the same for Bradbury. He's not quite going down to the levels that they're not scared to take him on, which is strange. It's almost like I don't believe he can carry on. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm very curious on what, like, Aki ends up being priced at the next time out, right? Because if Bradbury wins, again, I have a hard time thinking he, he shouldn't be among the Valamakis and the Woos and the Bjorks who who aren't coming through. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Bjork, that is... Yeah, that was weird, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's um, still this feeling out process that I'm, that I'm happy to, to chance. Um, I'll go, oh, uh, actually, DraftKings has thrown triple digits on the next selection for me. Um, we'll let you go with your next pick. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a fear of missing out bet uh, with Gavin Green. And so the best price is 70 to 1. He's 55 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook. But for me, like Gavin Green is someone, I basically said to you, I think, at the tail end of last year that I will probably bet Gavin Green every week until he wins or he doesn't win and I finally give up. And I haven't bet him at all this year. And it's been really surprising. And the performances since I didn't bet him the first time have, have suggested I shouldn't be betting him either. And there wasn't anything last week massively, other than the fact he only just missed the car. And you just consider this tournament 
and the course if we are right in, you know if we believe what was being said it's the wide open fairways it's you know driver everywhere that's going to suit Gavin Green it's the, probably the last best chance he's going to get to play in this field strength in the area of the world that he loves so I think it's a little bit not last chance saloon for Gavin Green because I think he can do anything but this is probably his last best chance to really compete for a win so at 70 to 1 uh, I like Gavin Green yes yep I think he that stretch of golf last year man so I can't good. believe he didn't capitalize for us when he and missed, I, uh, and yeah. I wonder if that's like he sits there and goes like I've missed out and that's really crept in um yeah. because before he was so volatile like he had endless amounts of talent but never really capitalized whereas last year he was like playing so good playing so good playing so good and just couldn't get over the line and that's when your mindset changes like a Scheffler and a female who um to put in PJ terms like really were struggling to get that kind of first win then all of a sudden they go on and and really kick on and I don't necessarily think Green's going to win one and go and win five but it just feels like he is kind of his worst enemy at the moment. Uh, I just think maybe a little bit of a freeing up this time and realising, OK, this is a really good opportunity for me, might just help him out. It's definitely a field play rather than anything statistical for Gavin Green. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I'd be remiss. Again, 50 to 1 and higher. I, I'm going to bet Guido Migliazzi. <laughs> we have him at 60s this week. I'm scrolling here as we're talking, and Matt Cooper has him as his cover piece this week. So... Again, we're on Guido. We're, we we keep the faith when we get a big number, right? When he's in form and he pops lower, that's okay. When you have to make it question it, right here, let's 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 keep going back. But that's not the one that I wanted to, to discuss on. Um, the one that I really want to dig into that I think might be my favorite pick of the week, Tom, is Marcel Seen. Um, so you get him uh, at his 500th start career start this past week, uh, and he was somebody that when the the tournament locked and I saw Marcel Seen's ownership on DraftKings. I was like, people are crazy. This guy was just in Pebble beach on Saturday, probably even Sunday, right? Almost every, yeah. The, the third round finished Sunday morning. Yeah. Right. So he's in Pebble beach on Sunday. He's got to come all the way across the world to get to Singapore to then play and see it up. And once you know, comes out and shoots a 74, the first round of Singapore. I was like, great. This guy's 30% owned. This is great. And then all of a sudden he shoots 66, 67, 69 to close. One of the better final 54 hole stretches. And why seem pop to me? So he opened 72, 77, and then 67 in Pebble Beach. And then you go and look at his numbers when he played there. And again, you get PGA Tour data against the best in the world. And Marcel Seen gained over three strokes in his single round um, when you looked at his approach play. Um, so if you went and saw uh, on approach on day two or day three is when he played Pebble, that would have been the third best round of the day. Malnati finished fourth at event. Ribble was second and uh, in approach. And then it was Marcel Seen, and he gained a stroke off the tee in that round two. So that would have put him actually the number one ball striker in that flight on Pebble Beach that day. And right, I think on Pebble Beach on Saturday, that's when you get like a lot of the bigger names that end up playing um, on the course there. So like he had Spieth in that flight, you know, he had some good guys that were playing against um, that day. And it's just interesting to see somebody you don't normally see in that setting pair up with it and show incredible numbers. 
and then get to Singapore, play 54 holes straight, and and you know play extremely well. And he had probably a sneaky decent end to last year too, right? 19th at really Mauritius, yeah. a T5 uh, in South Africa, a T16 the week prior to that, right? Like he he's been in some steady form, and I, I'm shocked to get 100 to one at, at his DraftKings sportsbook today. I, I'm in. I think the thing is with the DP World Tour that you do get is you get we saw it with Ollie Wilson last year, um, and and these you know Paul Waring's had a little bit of renaissance like because you do get these some of these weaker fields and you do get some of these inexperienced players. These ones have been around and and learned the game and know when to capitalise on their good form. It's a different mindset, right? Like these are these are kind of 42, 43, 44 year olds that are contending on a DP World Tour as opposed to when a 37, 38 year old does it on the PJ Tour. They're kind of considered a veteran, right? But I think I think with Marcel Seam is he's playing really solid golf. Uh, and, and when you think again about Marcel Seam, solid winner, not not one that again not comparing him to kind of like an Olison who's got like six wins in his career. Like Marcel Seam was known to struggle. Um, to get over the line earlier in his career. But now, I just think when you look at the competition that, that he's playing now versus what he was playing then, I mean, he won the Dunhill Championship in South Africa in 2004, and then he had to wait eight years. They were talking about it on the broadcast to win in France. Then again, next year, trophy is and next year, BMW Masters. All of a sudden, he's like a four-time winner. Um, got into the top 50 in the world at his best. Obviously, he's not that player, but... Like you say, you can very much account for why he opened with a 74 last week. And and even, to be honest, the, the 69 at the end of the week versus the 66-67, you could say, well, he's probably just run out of gas. Yeah, so like he, he's, he's yeah. started slowly because he can't get going. He's ended slower because he's just run out of gas. So if he can just get, I mean, the time zone, I think, is either the same or no different this week, shorter travel, he should be in a good spot. Um, I'm surprised he's 100 to 1. He's not over here. Um, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice offering uh, there. Let's see. You have one more. How deep is yours? Okay. I can go here for two in a row. Um, mentioned this guy in closing last week. Um, and it, it's just pedigree. It's pedigree in the field. It's pedigree against, you know, something. And, and maybe it's worth letting guys get their feet under them prior to. Uh, jumping in their first start, you know, and I'm going to, to bet Taiga Samikawa, uh, former number one amateur in the world, uh, as recent as, you know, a year, seven, eight months ago. Like, you know, I think his, his event, uh, which one was it? Uh, the Dunlap? No. Japan Open? What's up here? Was it the, he beat Adam Scott. He like dusted Adam Scott. Yeah, that that was the Japan Open. Yeah. Yes beat Paul Casey, right? Like he, like that was a, a strong, that was a different type of Japan, you know, leaderboard that you have. And, you know, he, that's impressive. He goes second. Like he gets somebody I think is very easily to go back to this week too, for example, uh, after kind of getting it, but Kanaya fit there, right? Six for Adam Scott, six for Chan Kim, who finally had another top 10, you know, um, on um, the Corn Ferry Tour this week. You have Kadira in there. You have um, Saddam. I'm not going to say his last name. Kali mm-hmm. Kanjana. Uh, that's pretty good. That's what that's um, what I wanted to bet this week. That was that was the one yes. I was looking for. But, but he's probably with the most informed, you know, golfer over there right now. So like, yeah. I, I think you know what we've seen out of out of Taiki Samakawa 
And it's not to be remiss again. I, I talked about Marcel Seam for one round on the PGA Tour and, and liked that. Semikawa got three starts in the PGA Tour. He made the cut in Sony and he made the cut at Farmers. And what he did in those events was very, very strong off the tee numbers. He was well above average against the field, just struggled kind of the rest of the game. Um, and what's to be said of what a made cut is on the PGA Tour versus this, right? He plays those three events. He gets over to Singapore. You know, you, you settle in a little bit, right? He was a two-time winner on the Japan Tour just this past year, just after going pro, right? A two-time amateur winner or four-time amateur winner in his last 25 starts. Like, you have pedigree. You get a number in 100 to 1. I think it's very fair to just go back in and trust trust what he's built, and hopefully he's a little bit more settled this week. you just got this unbelievable crop of Asian golf talent. It's probably like the best feeder for, for young talent, right? And it probably started yeah. with Matsuyama and Ishikawa and, and went on to, um, you know, Sungjae and Tom Kim. And obviously there's Korean and, and Japanese, but like you've got Nakajima who's in, going to be in the full swing documentary, yeah. right? Like the thing with um, Semikawa and, and Kazuki Higa who Brad is on is I feel like because they're getting these opportunities to play these PGA Tour events early on in this season, Hawaii is great for Japanese golfers. You can't settle, so you you can't you can't get your foothold. If, if Tiger Samikawa was playing, he went straight into the Joburg events and played all of those all the way through to you know the early Middle Eastern events. He'd probably be in really good form right now, and you wouldn't be able to get the number. So now you're it's opportunity gained, right? We, we talked about this, I think, with... I mean, we bet Tom Kim at like 60, 70, 66, 70 to 1 in Saudi, didn't we? And yeah. and we were umming and ahhing about it at the time. And in retrospect, that's like the best price we could have ever got. Um, and, you know, Jude obviously gets there way before us. But, you know, it's... You do just have to be early on these guys. And, and it's going to have... Like, Kanaya would have had an early good finish. And then just struggled. You just don't know what's going to happen. But talent-wise, he's potentially going to be as good as most in this field. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think I think the settling and just popping over to play another tournament, I think, is is great great for him. And you even worry about Higa. I mean, I guess it's not that much different playing um, where they did on the Asian Tour um, and, and coming to play. But, um, yeah, excited excited for that that crop. I mean, you even saw Histatune, who was the first-round leader, you know, great, uh, yeah. the DP World Tour. He was he gave Kanaya a run for his money to fifty four holes, yeah. right? Like it's these uh, golfers can play. So uh, and I think uh, Katsumara, um, who was on the Corn Ferry Tour, was inside the top ten through uh, fifty four holes too. So like littered across the world with very good talent. Totally agree. So that's one. Uh, two more. Um, second one uh, right now is uh, Alejandro Del Rey. Tom, of things that would kill you. Him winning last week, that one would have hurt, man. That one would have hurt bad. And just because I was encouraged the way he played when we were on him, you know. Um, so what that would have been, he finished 28th um, two weeks ago when we thought distance was everything for Ross Alkaima, right? And he was, I think, 33rd in the after two rounds. And I think he kind of played decent on Saturday morning and then kind of fell apart. I was like, okay, like that was encouraging. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to have a, a really difficult event. He, yeah. He's somebody who, who always was on a, you know, 
to, to score low. College was scoring low. He did well in the Canary Islands. Like he needed to go go deep for that. And here it is. It turns out low scores, and he's the 54 hole leader, right? And then on Sunday he opens three birdies in his first three holes. Like I was like, okay, it's happening. Like this is happening. When he was 350 to one, you know, two weeks ago. Yeah. So to get him still at 125s in something that's going to be a more open birdie fest, I'm in. I think he's played great the last two weeks. I think going back to the well is perfectly fine. Yeah, like he was the I wrote him down, and he's the one that I've left out for my next pick, basically. And I don't really know why, because I could just have them both. Like we we mention this all the time. There's no real reason not to. So very much in the in the style of what he did with Alex Levy last week, I'll probably just join in with Delray because his driving is great. Um, the way that he played last week, incredibly encouraging. No, he didn't get the job done, but neither did Valamaki, neither did Jung Hoon Wang, neither did you know other people. You can't just punish one person for it. Um, ultimately, Oki Striden came forward, and you know he's Oki Striden's what like thirty-seven years old, and you know has been around the block like Delray hasn't. So um, yeah, I, I think it's really encouraging. He led the field in driving distance. His greens regulations wasn't great, fifty-fifth. Um, his drive next to is, is what you expect of him. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if he can kind of find a few more greens this time and not put himself under the pressure to make the birdies and pars the way he was um, in the kind of final, the first and final round, then I think they'll raise a great bet. Yeah, I'm excited for him. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he keeps it running because he was a, a really good player in college. Yeah. Um, let's go to you and then we'll roll from my last one. Yeah, so for me, it was David Rivetto. Um, so he missed the cut on his first start this season in Joburg, but then just made five straight cuts in a row. And I think that's just a really positive sign um, for him. He's finished 30th, 23rd and 9th already this season. When he was 9th in South Africa, he was actually second at the halfway stage. So he's got that kind of recent experience of being in contention. If he had any semblance of a short game last week, he really would have contended. He was second in ball striking only behind Antoine Rosner, eighth in driving distance, 25th in driving, actually fourth in greens and regulation. So everything about Rivetto has been really positive. You talk about Dan Bradbury and, and how positive he's been since that win. Rivetto has been almost, if not as equally impressive uh, since having the chance to win in South Africa and not. So whereas Bradbury's kind of got that win, uh, Rivetto was right in the mix for, you know, 36, 54 holes, didn't get the job done. So, the 150 to one about Rivetto, um, for just the t- potential talent level, we don't we don't necessarily know just yet um, what exactly that is, but I think there's a lot of upside in him still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, we came onto the scene uh, Q School, right, and played exceptional. Yeah. Uh, there and really was somebody to keep our eye on, and again, I, I'm still just a firm believer of of the talent. That's the best way to say that. Of, of guys like being able to break through from Q school and, yeah. and from challenge tour. Like I, I don't view it that much different when you get down to some of the, the qualifications that you see. Yeah. And then one other person in that same vein, I, I haven't bet, but someone I thought you may have done um, and I was going to was uh, Simon Forstrom. I know he's obviously slightly yeah. older and the way that the path he's taken is not the same, but I mean, what's he done since he's come on the DP World Tour season? Only impressed Joburg open, um, had bookend round 67-65, finished ninth there. He finished 50th at the SA Open, but he was actually 14th at the 54-hole stage. He then finished fourth in Mauritius, missed the cut at Razel Kaima last week, which I'm not too surprised about because I don't think he's the longest uh, by any means. 
And then he was absolutely lights out uh, in Singapore for the first round last week, 65, when everyone else was struggling. Uh, just completely fell off a cliff, which is why you can still get the number that you can on him. Um, and he isn't that kind of realistic course fit that you suspect will play really well here. But accuracy-wise, like he's probably going to avoid those hazards that some of the longer ones are going to get themselves into. So Forsham, I kind of like. Yeah, he was, yeah, same thing, right? Q-School winner that just kept it rolling and, and absolutely um, has that talent. I, I'm going to close out with um, one more Q-School uh, graduate from the year, and we're, we're dipping into 1,000 to 1 territory, Tom. I almost rolled up with a 600 to 1 and a 1,000 to 1, just for reference. I should have yeah. done it. Um, I'll at least tell you who the 600 to yeah, 1 is. Do that. It was Sam, Hutt, Sam Hutsby. Um, if you, you notice again, when you look at those type of rounds, right, Hutsby goes, he opens up 68, 67, and then he's, and then he sticks going to the halfway point and he shoots an 80 on Saturday. And then he closes with a 70, right? Like right in, in that, that wheelhouse of it. But I am, I'm going to go with, um, uh, oh, Tom, this name's going to be hard. I, re- I reckon I can do this. Okay. Goodmander Christiansen. Nice. That was, that was good. That was real good. And, and you know, Christiansen comes in with relatively nothing when it goes into to form. This is his first made cut of the year, right? He's gone, stretch, I think, 10 missed cuts in a row. Yeah, 10 missed cuts in a row. Before that, I was a third place at the finish challenge. And then he 49th in Singapore. What I was encouraged about, Tom, is the Rasal Kaima, he had some strong ball striking numbers despite missing the cut. Lost three strokes per round um, in his in his uh, missed cut there, so little struggle with his short game. But this past week at, at, at his open, so he opens with a 68, and he closes with a 66. You know, you kind of piece me of that together. Hole in one on Sunday, we like that. You know, yeah. kind of get the good vibes That's rolling. Nice. But he, you saw when you look at kind of the in running numbers, and again, this is easy to miss, right? Um, and, and trying to like at least piece how this guy's game is because we haven't had that reliable of strokes gain data you know for a lot of these new graduates um but even last week uh for uh for goodmunder i like calling him his first name that's a good first name um Mm -hmm. he was fifth off the tee on sunday you know so you know at least not all relied on that uh hole in one that came because i think from a tee to green standpoint he was also right there which makes sense if you have a hole in one uh, but again a thousand to one and you're you're kind of putting together a little bit of what this guy has flashed yeah he was third tee to green on sunday um i don't know tom these are the guys that you just at least chance out and you came in here saying i've bet him before which is amazing because i probably have because for some reason like i saw his name on on Sunday in the early betting on on the exchange, I was like, Sky's going to bet Goodman Christiansen, and I was like, there must be a reason why I know you're going to do that. Like, we don't talk about him, so um, I'm assuming you must have put him up at some point. You obviously reference we do uh, talk about Christian Crow Johansson um, as well, but no, was, I'm sure there was Goodman and Christiansen in one of those like really like obscure events last year, maybe like uh, Sweden or somewhere like that, like Scandinavian mixed or something like that, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, maybe piece together where it was. I, I, I bet I bet it was the Honda World Invitational after he finished third in the Challenge Tour the week before. <laughs> that would make sense, right? That, that's got to be what it is. Um, 
I just it just sticks out to me because he went 36 third. Yeah, it's got to be that. It's got to be that hand. I mean, this is the thing though. He he is littered with like strong finishes out of nowhere, right? Like randomly had four top 20s in 2021 um, with no other finishes inside the top 50 that entire year. And then, you know, he has two top 11s last year with 90% of the time he's missing the cut. He only made the cut in two other events, you know? So like he has top of leaderboard upside when it's all clicked. And we've seen now this, this game of T to green kind of trend for two weeks in a row thousand to one tom i'm gonna make that bet you'll probably see me mixing a first round leader that's probably the safest thing in a top 20 on somebody like that but uh that that's uh we're, we're putting it in the bank thousand to one tom see I, I thought he was younger than he is he's actually 30 he's like 30 is he yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so um not speaking from someone that's that's any younger than him um <laughs> i i am i am yeah, 30 as well like so. i am going to be 30 in like two weeks so i'm not going to call him old because that would just be a diss to myself but you you look at like his career um three wins on nordic golf league in 2019 in that just in that kind of so what would he have been then that's what three three years ago four years ago he would have been 26 27 maybe that's when he peaked and then all of a sudden uh covid happens and he can't get status anywhere can't get going anywhere can't play um that can disrupt things an awful lot and just slow things down he might have been a bit of a late starter uh then found his form and then just had nowhere to play and these yeah. things happen. So I think that I don't know why I'm trying to justify a thousand to one shot. Like he's a thousand to one, just put a coffee on it and just hope that he does something. But um, yeah, trying to give sort of some rhyme reason to it. Yep. So I'm going to put a bow on the week. Um, I want to make sure if you are an audio listener, um, you can find us on any of your podcast platforms, uh, daily, daily fantasy sports picks and bets, the mix mayo media network uh you know big supporters of us and what we do really appreciate that huge stretch of golf on the pga tour too so you know pat and jeff have you all the way covered um for that and it's kind of golf time right football football ends. Yeah, it's, um, it, i was looking it's at the schedule we, we were talking about this at work earlier like it's a massive run now like through to the masters you've got well you've got riviera bay hill honda players masters yeah. I think there's there's obviously Texas in there or something like that, like where it's a little bit of a down week. But then you've got the release of the full swing on Wednesday, where no one's gonna, you know, like everyone's gonna binge watch. How many episodes is there? Like six or seven? Like they're they're all gonna uh, watch. Yeah, I think maybe eight. Yeah. yeah. Eight. Great. So that's that's a, an evening gone. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a really good time for golf. And look, we've we've had our say on the DP World Tour and and the fact that it has been weakened, but ultimately. We're still enjoying it. We're still finding bets to uh, to place. Um, and yeah, I mean, hopefully time zones playing out so you know I can actually watch it. Yep. 100%. 100%. Cool, man. All right. Let's, uh, let's close it out. You want to recap your card? Yeah. So for me, it's Jorbjörn Olesen, uh, 22 to 1, I think is the best number you can get on him. Uh, Shabanka Sharma, 66 to 1. Gavin Green, uh, 80 to 1. I believe it was. And David Rivetto, 160 to 1, I'm seeing on uh, Odds Checker as well. Perfect. Um, I will be on Marcus Helikilda, 35 to 1. Uh, like I said, Guido still going on the card, 60 to 1. Dan Bradbury is 70s as of this time. Uh, Marcel Seam, 100 to 1. Taiga Semikawa, 100 to 1. Alejandro Del Rey, 125 to 1. And Goodmunder Chris Johnson at 1,000 to 1. First round leader, top 20. Tom, oh, 
that would get us out of some jams to hit a thousand to one. That was a beautiful pronunciation there. I don't know why you didn't <laughs> take it first time. Um, and I will be adding Delray on to my uh, to my staking plan as well uh, with you. So absolutely love this week. Awesome, awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys. Uh, like I said, next week, uh, Hero Indian Open is back. So looking forward to that. Um, best of luck, everybody. And we'll talk to you then.